The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So Mari, what's your show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about bullying and how to prevent it and what to do about it because it's become such a horrible situation and just an epidemic in our country especially because people can be online and kids can be hurtful. And we're especially concerned about children in cyberbullying and all sorts of bullying, even in the classroom. So we have a wonderful guest today with us. Anita Tella is a former COO and co-founder of a successful beauty product distribution company. And she is the current founder and president of Asti Life, which is A-S-T-I Life. She lives in California with her son, who was born with a cleft palate, and her mission is to raise awareness about bullying through her two picture books, which are adorable, called Always Time for Kindness and A Little Different, All Perfect. Anita is also the creator of Nomi Boo Boo Bears and donates 20% of the profits from the sale of the bears to Operation Smile. You can find out more about her at Boo dash boo bear at dot org and i have this adorable book in front of me here that i've read it's called a little different all perfect and it's got great illustrations with a gnome and a, and a horsey and all these things that are really important for us to teach kids about cyberbullying. so anita thank you so much for joining us oh you're welcome an honor to be on your show Anita, why don't you tell us why you wrote this book? Well, my son, uh, Brandon, was born with a cleft lip and a cleft palate. And, of course, he was a little different, but all perfect. And um, he, of course, had a scar from the surgery and also a little bit of speech when issues when he was talk- talking. And um, he, uh, I noticed as he was growing up, now he's 10 years old, but as he was growing up, he started kind of having to deal with, uh, you know, being teased. And, uh, and I was just paying attention to this little boy and how he was dealing with it. And um, I have this cute little story that I want to share with you. Um, he was about four and a half years old, and um, we were at his school, and this little girl came, she was riding her little tricycle over towards him, and she looked at him and she goes, what happened to your face? What's wrong with you? And, of course, as a mom, my claws were out, you know. Aww. I just wanted to, yeah, I was like, oh, why is she doing that, you know? Right. And before I got to say anything, he looked at the little girl, and he goes, um, well, 
he goes, when I was born, I was born with a cleft lip and a cleft palate. And he goes, so I had to have surgery because of that, and so that's why I have this scar. And the little girl, I don't know, she was maybe like, you know, his age, you know, maybe four years old. She goes, oh, okay, and she just rode her bike away. And he was just walking like, you know, this is just the way that, you know, it's supposed to happen. And I looked at him, and I thought to myself, wow, how amazing that his four-and-a-half-year-old child um, is dealing with this in this way. And then I thought to myself, you know, we really need to bring more awareness to how to deal with someone that is a little different. And what can I do? And I talked to my son about it, and I came up with the idea of, you know, a little different, all perfect. And I'm hoping to bring awareness to grown-ups, to children, to kind of teach people to be a little careful with the words that we choose to use when we, when we deal with uh, someone that's a little different, and just bring awareness to, to grown-ups, too, with how they react when they see someone that is, that is a little different. Right, and we're talking about any kind of difference. It's it could be a medical challenge. It could be the color of their face. It could be any kind of uh, physical handicap. It could be, you know, that they're gay or, or or transgender or whatever it is that you know people are different, and there is tremendous amount of bullying. And you know, we know that people who kids who are eight years old have committed suicide over cyberbullying. So how old is your son right now? He is 10. He's 10. And how is he dealing with all that now? He is he's doing really, really great. And he is very, um, he's aware of it. But we have chosen to do a lot of things over the years that has helped him to, um, you know, believe in himself, work on himself confidence, and uh, realizing that, you know, uh, he is a little different. But he is all perfect. Yes. And, you know, I just remember when my son was in grade school, and he was chubby. He was adorable, but he was chubby. And they would call him Beefy Frank. And he would come home crying. I remember one one time he had, I was getting all of these um, brochures from private schools all over the county. And I'm thinking, I didn't apply for any private school. And it was him who had called up that he wanted me to put him in private school because he couldn't stand all the bullying. And we worked it through, and we worked on his self-concept, and we worked on his health and everything else. And, I mean, he's a very successful young man now and working in New York City, but I just remember the pain that a mother goes through when your child is being bullied as well, right? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So in these books, and they're adorable, and I think it's really important to start when they're young, what age group were you really writing for? Um, I'm writing for children between like the ages of three to eight years old. I want to start really early, and that's what, you know, like with the book, like you said, and thank you for the compliment, um, the illustrations, the colors, and everything. I wanted to um, to just go with that age group and start really young, because I think that if we start really young, we have an opportunity to um, to teach them, and as they grow, they they grow more aware of things, and they that uh, they they'll become teenagers that are uh, you know, really kind to each other. Hopefully, <laughs> yes, yes, and and hopefully they'll they'll get the difference in the application from 
from a cow being different from a horse and the legs being different and all those things that they that they're going to have to you may have to do some books for for older kids too to to get the same message out so yeah. how how is bullying different from a little bit of teasing you know i i think we all read in the newspaper you know months and months ago about uh you know, that Romney had uh, apparently teased, and the question was, was he teasing or was he bullying a uh, a kid who was um, who was gay in his high school? Mm-hmm. So how do we how do we know or how do we decipher the difference between bullying and teasing? Well, uh, teasing is more like a playful, friendly exchange between willing participants. Uh, and where bullying is more more like an imbalance uh, in power, and it can be degrading and mean. And the bully is looking for a reaction, and they feed of how your child reacts to um, to how they tease them, and they kind of get like a satisfaction from uh, from that. And when you're teasing, it's kind of like your siblings, <laughs> you know. Right. It kind of goes back and forth, and a few seconds after you've been teasing each other, you know, everybody forgets about it, and it doesn't stay with you for, for a long period of time, and, it can, and it's, just, it's just very different, actually. Yes, yes. So you're writing some other books, too, aren't you? What yeah, are, I am. Yeah. I'm writing a book that's going to be coming out in July that's called Always Time for Kindness, and in that book I'm trying to teach children, also the same age group, uh, um, about, uh, you know, empathy uh, being able to put themselves in someone else's shoes, how would I react to this, and and uh, what if this happened to me, and just teaching them that. And it's a cute little story, uh, again, with um, the same illustrator, Dennis, and uh, just a kind of a fun story that talks about a, a summer, a summer vacation, and uh, one of their little friends uh, get hurt and has to be in a wheelchair through the whole summer. And so how does the little, uh, little animals and the little kids uh, how do they handle that, and what do they do? And uh, so I'm doing that one. I'm also doing another book that's called Old but Not Expired, and this book is kind of uh, it's a fun book. It's uh, you know you laugh when you see this book. It's uh, uh, great illustrations again, and then it talks about when uh, Grandpa is in the nursing home and uh, Mom and Dad wants to go and visit, and the kids do not want to do that because they much rather stay home and play video games. Right. And so then it's just kind of about when they go there and uh, what happens and how they um, their opinion about it is, has changed. And they uh, look forward to next time they're going to go and see Grandma and Grandma, Grandma at the uh, convalescent home. Oh, that's very sweet. So what is your intent in, in writing these books? What do you want to accomplish? What do you want the kids to take away? Well, my goal with this is to um, hopefully to make a difference in younger children and that they can have more of an acceptance and also to teach grown-ups to be aware of their own reactions and attitude when it comes to this issue with someone being different. That is my, um, my goal with the book series. So how do you help you know, your own child, and how should we help our own children to see differences in other kids as, as normal or even great? How do we actually well, teach that besides the books? Obviously, that's a great way to do it, but what are some techniques to that you did with, with with your own son okay with my son one of the things that i did is i told i uh, told brandon that's my son i told him i said you know no two people are alike 
Uh, it's kind of like fingerprints or snowflakes. We're, we're all different. And you know what, Brandon? You might have a disability, but that's only one of the makeups of who you really are. And um, then I said to him, I said, because you are a little different, um, you know, I always said, you know, you know, you are perfect. And I always made sure that he knew that he was perfect. And I said, you know, you have an opportunity to educate people uh, about your disability, and you're doing such a great job when you're with your, your friends or at school or whatever. And, you know, you take the curiosity and you turn it into an awareness. And it was kind of interesting because he said to me, he goes, Mommy, he goes, I have experienced a lot more than other kids my own age, huh? And I said, yeah, you have. And I said, look at what you've been able to do with the telling people about cleft palate because you had it. You were also able to uh, talk about Operation Smile, which is a wonderful organization that we really support. And, you know, and the fact that every three minutes in the world, a child is born with a cleft lip or a cleft palate, that is something that, you know, not a lot of people know. And, uh, and so he, um, he felt really great about that. And then the thing that I tried to do um, was to really try to find something positive with what, was ha- what you know, he was dealing with and to use it to teach, to teach the other children, to teach grown-ups, to just teach them and try to make them understand. And uh, if you do that, you know, I know it's hard because I've been there, but it's amazing after these years because, you know, Brandon is 10 years old now, he is, uh, you know, he has a lot of self-confidence, and I really honestly hope that, uh, that we can do that with the other children that maybe is having a hard time with something that they might be going through, whether that is that have had, you know, cancer and they don't have any hair on their head or, or any, anything else. And I just really hope that uh, we, can, we can teach our children uh, that it is, it is great. You know, I wanted to ask you about SMILE. Does SMILE help to get operations for children who don't have the funds to, to have the operation to fix the uh, cleft palate? That's, that's right. The, the Operation SMILE has uh, a lot of wonderful doctors that dedicate their time. They go on what they call missions um, all over the world, and they can take a child's life and they can change it. Um, for like I think it's about two hundred and fifty dollars, it can change a child's life. They do, uh, they fix, they repair the, um, the the deformity or the cleft palate, cleft lip, and this, these children would never have been able to do it if it wasn't for the organization Operation Smile. And I, I am just so in awe of what these people do. That's great. So what about um, you, you talk about the me zone? All right, how should you know, how, do you have some ideas for parents that are struggling with helping their children to get out of that me zone? Well, yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of funny because when they are toddlers, you know, there is nothing you can do, kind of, you know. Right. But but uh, you know, children do imitate what they see, and even at a, at a young age, you know, they will look at mommy and daddy, and if you use that opportunity when you. Uh, for instance, if you were eating an apple and then you said to your, your child, you said, you know what, um, I really like my apple, but I would like to share it with you. And then you do, and they look at you and say, oh, okay. And then always, you know, praise them when they try to share and, uh, and just give them a lot of praise and tell them how great it is. And then um, 
when I get, you know, to be older, you have to reason with them more and teach them how to uh, look at their own behavior and how that can affect others. And one thing that I think is, a, is this, I did this with my son, and I, I am really glad that I did, and we started very young. I told my son, I said, well, we're going to go to um, a toy store now, and, you know, this was, uh, when I started, it was right before Christmas, and I said, um, I'm going to um, have you take out one gift for yourself, so it's going to be a gift for you, and then three gifts for, you know, someone else, for other children who doesn't have anything this Christmas. And so in the beginning, when he was a little, bitty little guy, he would go to the, over to the shelf, and he'd just pick three things and threw it in the shopping cart, and he could care less. And then, what, what can I have for me, you know? Right. But then as the years started, and he started um, growing up, I noticed that uh, he took more time to pick those, those gifts for the children, didn't have anything. He paid more attention to, okay, well, if that was me, that, was not going to have anything but one gift for Christmas. What would I really want it to be? And he would think, and he put much more emphasis, and he was emphasizing it much more and really tried to pick out that perfect gift. And then, you know, of course, he, he really enjoyed getting his own gift too. But uh, just, you know, small things like that and, sh- and showing by example and also always praise them when they, they are trying to, to do, um, do good or do a nice thing for someone else. Right. So you're really trying to help them to understand empathy and compassion and outside of themselves. That's right. So what about parents who might be listening now that, um, and maybe their kids don't say anything, what are some signs that a parent can look for that maybe their child is being bullied? And how can they watch out for those things? Yeah, um, one of, especially if, if the child is coming home from school, for instance, because oftentimes, unfortunately, that is where it's happening, where there are around a lot of kids. Um, when it comes home from school, they throw their backpack down. They are teary-eyed. Uh, you, you can see if something isn't right. Oftentimes, they appear sad, uh, maybe moody. Um, also, complaints often about, like, headaches, uh, stomach aches. Uh, sometimes they have problems sleeping, um, they have uh, oftentimes have bad dreams, loss of appetite, uh, low self-esteem, you know, are sometimes very anxious and uh, does not want to go to school and, uh, you know, just, just have this, uh, just uh, actually maybe even, you know, looking depressed or feeling depressed. And, you know, those are definitely warning signs that something is going on. Yes. You know, Anita, I remember when I was a little girl, we were in a car accident, and we were in the process of moving from one city to another, and I was going to start a new school, but we were in a, a bad car accident. A drunk driver hit us, and I had a couple teeth knocked out. I was eight years old, and I had um, my left leg in a cast because I had broken my leg. And my mother was in the hospital for a long period of time, and my sister was in high school, but so she wasn't around. So I remember that I had somebody, a family member, take me to the brand new school when I looked like this, you know, with my leg in a cast and, you know, stitches in my face and everything. And I got bullied. And I remember this. I remember coming home and crying. And of course, my mother was still in the hospital. So my dad didn't know what to do. And my sister didn't know what to do. And it was You know, I really, I went to the teachers and I, you know, and I asked for help and they didn't help me. You know, some of these old biddies that I still remember, you know, that looked like they were 80 years old and they could hardly walk, but they were my elementary school teacher. Um, 
you know, I just remember that. And here I am, you know, <laughs> my kids are all grown up. So I still remember that. So, I mean, right. people need to realize that that bullying stays with you as a negative memory for many, many, many years. And uh, what are you doing about the schools? Are anything to to help educate these teachers to do something? Or, or what do you think teachers should be doing? Because they did nothing for me. Well, uh, oftentimes, you know, uh, people will ask me, they said, you know, what, uh, what is the best thing that you do with schools and stuff like that? I know with, with my school that my son goes to, and he does go to a, to a private school, but I know that they have policies and, uh, and they, um, they take charge and they call in the kids and they have, you know, if the child is being brought into the office more than so and so many times, they call the parents and they have things that they do. And, uh, but the teachers, uh, I, I do believe that the teachers do need to be more, um, more aware of it and uh, maybe um, be more out in the, um, you know, when the kids are outside playing and stuff and, and paying more attention and, and have some, you know, uh, some, some, some consequences. And that, I think, is one of the, the things with my child's school is that there, there is consequences. Some things that teachers could do would be to be more aware and uh, and take it, uh, pay attention to the kids out when they're out in uh, recess, and uh, and also deal with it right then, and not allow it to go on and kind of brush it off, but to just send them to the principal's office. I know that's what's happening at my child's school. Uh, the principal is doing a great job, and so are the teachers. If they notice something, they nip it in the butt right away, and they deal with it. So I would have to say that at my my child's school, there's hardly any bullying. And if it is, they deal with it. And I wish that the teachers would be able to do that in, in um, other schools, too, and maybe they are, I don't know. But the teachers just have to really take it seriously right away when it happens and not brush it off. Yes. I know there have been some documentaries on TV, and I, I think that's really helpful. And I think there really has to be more curriculum that the school has to step up to the plate. You know, they have 30, 40 kids in a class and, you know, they have curriculum to teach, but I think it's really critical that they include in the curriculum classes on how to be kind to one another and how to accept one another. And, and so especially for the elementary school, you know, having this book a little different but all perfect is, is really terrific. Now, what happens if you find out that your own child is bullying and, and you've tried to teach him? And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of parents, both parents work. They're, they're gone all day. The kids are, you know, they're in daycare or they come home and they play video games, which in my view, some of these violent video games are, I would never have them, but you know, that's what kids do nowadays. So, um, so what should you do if you're a parent and you find out your own kid has been bullying another kid? Well, the first thing that you need to do is to pat yourself on the back for taking the accountability and owe up to the fact that your kid might need some guidance on how uh, he or she should treat others. Because oftentimes what we find with parents is that, oh, well, my child does not do that, and they will not even hear it. But uh, one of the things is always to talk to your child when you are um, calm and never in anger. And unfortunately... Uh, you know, sometimes kids do see things at home and that they're just acting out when they go to the schoolyard. But if it's just you know, a regular uh, family with, uh, you know, mom and dad working and then the child just 
oftentimes the bullying is because uh, the kid wants to feel important, he wants to be more popular, he wants to feel in control, or uh, that's what it is. So um, one of the things that the uh, parents can do is to ask direct questions again and uh, maybe ask them, not going like, I, I've heard that you have been bullying at school or I, I've been called and you've been bullying. If you just say, now, uh, let's just use, you know, Johnny, um, what, uh, you know, what do you think about the kids that bully other children? And, you know, might or might not answer. Uh, or maybe you can ask the questions and then say, why don't you think about these questions and we'll discuss them later uh, or, you know, maybe you have a really great relationship with your kid and you talk about it right away. But sometimes I think it's important that we talk with the children and make them go maybe into the room for a few minutes just to think about the question so they can have a good answer. And then say things like, uh, how do you think it makes a person feel when they're being bullied? How would it make you feel if you were the person that were being bullied? And so on and so forth. And after they give you the answer, of course, it all depends on how you then would deal with it. But um, always do it with love, with praise that they came up with the answers. And then go, so have you ever bullied someone? And then they will, you know, tell you yes or no or whatever. But uh, then go, you know what, that is something that we as a family or as a mom, as a dad, that is what we don't really accept in our family, and we do not want that. And so um, I'm just letting you know that uh, if any, I hear anything about some bullying, we're going to have to have consequences, and we will take away that, you know, that DS game or that video, but have consequences that you stick through and follow through it and don't let up on them. Yeah. And just say, this is the way it is. We mm -hmm. will, you will not be watching this for, for a week. But, um, never but also, I would think another thing that might be really helpful is to go over to that house where and visit with the parents and the child and have your child apologize, mm -hmm. you know, and get to know that a child at a different level and kind of talk it out with the other parents so that so that there's a healing as well and that the child learns something from it besides just worrying about uh, consequences later on because... They have to see maybe that the other child, the, the feelings that the other child had to really have that compassion and that understanding if they could possibly meet with the other child and, and apologize. I think that would be going a long way to do some atonement, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. And also, also follow through with the consequences that you do give them. Yes, absolutely. Well, we are out of time, Anita. Thank you so much. And I very much enjoyed A Little Different, All Perfect with these cute little animals. And keep up the great work that you're doing. And I hope that we get to see more of your books in the future. So thank, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 and for prescriptions for healing conflict and visit our website at conflicthealing.com. Thank you.
views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.